Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, tribute episode to Jim Brown, done with John Newman of Sports Card Nation. I hope you'll enjoy our discussion of the greatness of Jim Brown from both of our perspectives. Thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here it is. This past week, we lost a legendary athlete, Jim Brown, running back, Cleveland Browns Hall of Famer. I'm in Syracuse, and here he's revered even more than on a national level, which he is. Syracuse, he got his start. In 2002, Sporting News said he was the greatest football player of all time. When that conversation comes up, Dr. Jim, about greatest athletes, where it's any sport, he's got to be in that conversation with Jim Thorpe. Bo Jackson played four sports at Syracuse football, basketball, track. And some will tell you football wasn't his best sport. No, lacrosse was his number one <laughs> sport, but it didn't pay. Yeah, it, it, exactly. He's in the lacrosse hall of fame. And Syracuse is a huge lacrosse school. His coaches at the time will tell you he was the best lacrosse player Syracuse has ever had. They changed a rule because of the way he played. His size, he used to hold the lacrosse ball and the stick close to his body. He'd literally run up the field. No one could get the ball out of the lacrosse stick, and he'd obviously score. They actually changed the rule where I don't know how many seconds, but you can't just keep doing that. You have to release away from your body. He didn't start football when he first got to Syracuse. So just crazy. He wasn't a legend necessarily coming in. He made himself just being the great athlete he was. Do you think his all-around greatness in all the sports, but especially football as a running back, does he get the measure that he deserves in his card prices? Because he doesn't have that many cards from his career. He played nine years. He was a pro bowler every year. He was a first-team all-pro eight of the nine years, three-time MVP, won the MVP and the rookie of the year in his first year, obviously. He won the MVP his last year. And the way Barry Sanders retired and the way Jim Brown retired or similar. Jim Brown went into acting and he was on the set of a movie and Art Modell, the owner of the Browns, didn't think he was going to make it back for training camp in time because of the movie shooting. And he threatened Jim Brown, if you're not back in time for training camp, I'm going to suspend you. Here you have your face of the franchise and you're telling this guy that. And Jim Brown said, you know what? I, I retire. We didn't appreciate Art Modell's approach to that. And he retired in his last year. We had 1,500 yards rushing, 17 touchdowns, won the MVP, had just won the NFL championship. It wasn't called the Super Bowl, but the NFL championship the year before in 1964. And he just went full-time into movies and social justice stuff that he was big into and very important figure there. So he's just so multi-layered. And like Barry, that would come years later, retired literally at the top of his game when he had more years left in him. He had a short career, but not really so much injuries. Could have played for maybe three, four, five more years at a higher level. I think a lot of his cards after his rookie year, everyone wants that 58 tops. I think they should probably be more valued than they probably are. Did you see the movie One Night in Miami? The movie a few years ago. And yeah. it was about Cassius Clay and Jimmy Brown and four different black guys at the time that had this meeting before the 
Clay Liston fight in Miami, but he didn't get any bump from that. The 30 for 30 series, if Michael Jordan gets a movie, then people chase Michael Jordan cards, but I didn't see much bump there. I think there'll be some bump with the reflection of how great he was now that he's passed away. At 87, he quit when he was on top, absolutely. But it's hard to imagine him playing three more years and not having some drop-off. I think he had great pride in his ability. Here's my controversial question for you. Sure. Man, he's a proud black man. Would you say he's a black mensch? That is a hot seat question. I can say yes. Listen, allegedly there was five incidents that were reported where he struck a woman. He wasn't convicted. Of any of them. He was convicted on a vandalism charge when he smashed someone he was with's window on her car. If there was a hall of nice, we probably wouldn't get into that. It's like what we would say with Ty Cobb in baseball, right? Maybe not the greatest person in the world, but you can't argue with on the field stuff. So on the field, he's a match, but he also did a lot of great things off the field with social justice. He started an anti gang organization for the violence in Southern California. So does that cancel some of the indiscretion? My point is, I think he's a black mensch. The the black people would consider him an amazing guy. Most of the sports writers are white, and the situation he was in, I have a fair number of black friends, perhaps you do too, a completely different experience, even when you're a great athlete, and especially back in the 50s. And so I don't know the environment he was in, but I can see a lot of good that he did. But I could also see that he probably got some level of abuse and disrespect. Oh, no doubt. He had a falling out with the university because not only was he getting it at away games from the opposing home stadium crowd, there was stuff going on at campus and he didn't feel Syracuse really did enough uh, in-house stuff. to So for a while, he did not come back. But he met with some officials, and they buried the hatch, and he started coming to football games and events at Syracuse. So there was some love lost there between him and the university. And he did take a lot of abuse, a lot of racism he encountered, not only from opposing teams, but even on campus from in-house stuff, too. This is 10 years after Jackie Robinson. Football had already been integrated. It wasn't full integration in the culture. And so here is this guy that all of a sudden is the best hands-down running back to that point, and maybe ever. Now we see running backs, they get what they can. If the sideline's nearby, they'll scoot out of bounds and live for the next play. That wasn't Jim Brown's motif. He was a guy that would, even for another yard or two, would lower his shoulder and then try to inflict some pain. To the point coaches were like, Jim, stop doing what you got. It was a nice run take what you got, get out of bounds, save the wear and tear on yourself. But the coaches had a hard time. Yeah, but you've done coaching. Wouldn't you really appreciate if your players were all going that extra? Unless they're using their body in some way. But he was a tough guy. And most football players know it's better to hit than be hit. I think the coaches appreciate it, but I also think they'd rather have Jim Brown in the game for the long haul rather than the second guy in the depth chart. So they were trying to preserve their best guy. And probably if I was coaching him, on one, I admire how uh, he was. And on the other hand, I'm like, hey, I need you the whole game. Can get out of bounds. I know you don't like to do it. Blame me. But get out of bounds. 
How many times did he not show up for the game or was he injured? He really had a really good track record. He did, which again is a test to the greatness mm-hmm. of him. But when you're a coach, it only takes one play, one hit that well, can. The other thing is, and again, I know the comparison to Barry Sanders, but Barry Sanders was always at risk for a knee injury because of the different angles that he was coming at. Jim Brown was coming at you pretty straight ahead. He was hitting people head on. Barry Sanders was in all kinds of awkward situations, completely different running style, but also went out on top. Yeah. But if he'd have played a few more years, he'd be limping. Yeah, and I'm sure it wasn't just the Modell exchange that was why he retired. I'm sure that was the culmination. Maybe some of that was on his mind. He was already starting to do movies. Even in the Hollywood realm, he was the first African-American interracial scene in movie history with Raquel Welch, 1969, The 100 Rifles. So even on the big screen, he was setting records, if you want to call or set it, doing stuff for the first time. Sports Card Insights. The conventional wisdom now is that you got to buy quarterbacks. And yeah. maybe then sprinkle a little bit on the wide receivers, but running backs are a bad bet. But if you go back to 58 to 65 or so, the guy is Jim Brown. Or Johnny Ninus is great too. And he's up there. Bart Starr, a little behind. Horning, a little behind that. But of the guys that played in that period, Jim Brown is the main guy. And then you go to the late 60s, and it's Gale Sayers after that. Number one guy. And it's a running back. And these were running backs that both played less than 10 years. But I always say, who are you going to collect is the same as when you buy a ticket to the game, who are you buying a ticket to see? And if it was the Cleveland Browns, it wasn't Bill yeah. Nelson or Frank <laughs> Ryan. It was or yeah. was the guy back in that time. But it was Jim Brown. Yeah, no doubt. One of the reasons, too, back then it was more of a running game than the NFL is today, right, where it's more of a heavier passing game. Offensives have changed, and now they even use short passing game in place of running game. Even in the draft, this year was an oddball draft. We saw two running backs go in the first round. That doesn't happen anymore. They used to be the top picks. Best, even a Heisman-winning running back sometimes may not be a first-round Pick. I think that's a testament to the offensive mindset of coaches in but, the NFL. But even a Christian McCaffrey, who's an amazing receiver as well as a really good runner, I just think there's a little bit of a bias against running backs. And I think the theory is they're not going to have long careers. And I think collectors ought to not be so dismissive of running backs that can stay healthy and be really good for seven, eight, nine years. In today's game, I got a chance to be those type of guys. And Derrick Henry, although he's coming down the home stretch, you got a guy like Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis, who I think is a great running back that could play many more years. So when it comes to collectors, I think a lot of people want to see it first or then backtrack and try to kind of scoop up. I think they're afraid of getting burnt. I can't speak for every collector, but Derrick Henry was a little bit similar to Jim Brown, but not as good. If you're investing in Derrick Henry, is he a game changer? Jim Brown was a game changer. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm sure when defensive coordinators had their meetings all week, it was to stop Jim Brown. That was really the focal point of their game plan on the defensive side of things. There's still guys like that, but not in the same 
since as Jim Brown was. It I don't was think the, they the, shut him down. They didn't. I'm they saying they really, tried. That was I, the I'm saying point. they tried, but Derrick Henry occasionally they can stack yeah. the line and shut him down. But Jim Brown, I just think he was good for 100 yards every game, I think. Yeah, I think his average per carry was like 5.2 or 5.7 yards. You hand it off twice to him, you got a first down, move the chains and just matriculate up the field, as uh, Hank Stramp would say. And yeah, he was the meal ticket for not only the Browns, I think the NFL, three MVPs, a championship, rookie of the year. You couldn't stop him. He didn't really have bad games. He didn't miss much time. And it was a bruising back. He wasn't going to really outrun you, but he'd run through you. Someone asked me, who's today would you compare to Jim Brown? And we talked about him and he's not Jim Brown, but probably Derrick Henry's style is the closest today's player to what Jim Brown was in the 50s and 60s. You probably did playground sports like I did. He's the first guy picked on the playground yeah. and he could play whatever position he wants to play. He was in Long Island in high school he was the all-time average scoring record until another Hall of Famer came along afterwards. Carl Yastrzemski broke Jim Brown's basketball average per game scoring record. So for many years, Jim Brown was the average points per game leader in Long Island high school history. And then Carl Yastrzemski took that title away. People probably didn't realize he served in the military reserve. So he served this country. The conventional wisdom is when somebody dies their card prices go up for a little while, and then they come down. Yeah. I think this could be an exception because when Jim Brown goes under the microscope, now that he's passed away, I think people will be amazed. If they look at the clips, they look at the stats and convert it to modern-day metrics, this guy was like a Babe Ruth, head and shoulders above his peers. And so I don't know that it's going to bump up and then drop back down. It could bump up and stay up because this guy was the real deal. So that's my final sports card insight. People just think this is just the way it is. Guy dies, the cards go up, and then two weeks later it goes down. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case here. This guy's a genuine hero, especially to black men. He was a complicated guy. I'm not denying that. But I've never been black. You know, I've never been an all-pro, all-world running back either. The challenges of that are amazing. I agree. I think there's going to be, obviously, a bump because of his passing. And I do agree that bump is going to be a permanent one. And I think it should be. There's probably not going to be another Jim Brown ever again. 